Father, we thank you today for this privilege we have to look into the Word of God. And we thank you for the anointing upon us as a ministry gift that you've given to the body of Christ. Lord, I ask you to speak through our lips and unveil to our hearts and minds which you, by your Spirit, through your Word, would say to each and every one of us today. And Father, I thank you, Lord God, for that anointing. Lord God, enabling me to speak as of the oracles of God. Cause our tongue to be as the pen of a ready writer, writing upon the tablets of the hearts of each and every one that hears it. Anoint every eye to see, ear to hear, mind to understand, and heart to receive what you, by your Spirit, want to say to us today. Lord, not our words, thy words. And we give you all the glory in advance in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. All right. Open your Bibles once again to Romans the 8th chapter. We're talking about being led by the Spirit of God and the, the, the importance of being led by the Spirit. That's just one example. Following the leading of the Spirit this morning is when I sense that healing anointing, you follow, the, you follow the Spirit of God, how He leads you. Amen? Praise the Lord. And then it's quite obvious there was people here that needed to be touched by the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, I believe in walking by faith, but when the Holy Ghost is in manifestation, take advantage of it. Hallelujah. I mean, we pray and believe God for ourselves, you know, and Janet, you know, she's, she's uh, resisting those dry eyes. But yet when the anointing came on me, she's, I'm going to get, I want the anointing. Because always yield to the higher anointing. Amen. And when God's moving like that, jump in on it. It'll be a blessing to you. Hallelujah. All right, notice in Romans chapter 8, in verse, verse 14, it says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So as many as are led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. Or you could say it this way, they are the children of God. And then the 16th verse, the Spirit itself, that should be Himself, amen. The Spirit Himself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. So the Holy Ghost bears witness with our spirit that we're God's children, amen. That's why it's very important that we understand that the Spirit of God lives on the inside of us. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 27 says, The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly. So where is your spirit man at? Your spirit man's right here. Where does the Holy Ghost live? He lives in your spirit. Amen. How does God communicate with you? He communicates to you through your spirit. And your, the voice of your spirit, which is your conscience, relates that to your mind, which, consists, which is your soul, and consists of your mind, your will, and your emotions. Remember that? Yeah. Amen. Hallelujah. So man is a spirit. Say, I'm a spirit. I have a soul and I live in a body. Amen. But we are a spirit being and we must understand that. It's extremely important to us. Most of the people in the world today live ruled by their flesh, this fleshly nature. It's obvious. You can see that in people's conduct and their lifestyle. And not just out of the church, but also in the church. So many people don't know anything about spiritual things, and because of that, they're led by natural things. And whatever circumstance or situation comes their way, they fall prey to that, and they're defeated by it. But if we understand that we're not going by this natural world, this natural realm, what we see, we're going by what we believe in line with the Word of God. Amen? And God's Word feeds your spirit, man. It renews your mind for the purpose of getting it into agreement with your spirit so that you can control this body, this flesh. It's extremely important that we understand that. Amen. In John chapter 14, let's turn over there again real quick. We're going to go through these real quickly. I like, you know, repetition is the seed of learning and faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing. Amen. And I believe a good teacher will go back and reiterate what they talked about before so that you can build upon it a little further each and every time. Amen. Hallelujah. Sometimes we rush through things and people don't have the opportunity to get it down on the inside of them. And uh, we want to make sure that this is working in you. It does no good for me to teach it to you on Sunday if you can't live it on Monday. You know what I'm saying? You got to have it working in your life on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Isn't that true? Amen. All right. So John chapter 14, and he says in verse 15, and if, if you love me, Keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. So notice he says, I'll pray the Father, and he will give you another comforter. 
Now, the word comforter there, talking about the Holy Ghost, is, comes from the Greek word paraclete, P-A-R-A-C-L-E-T-E. And the word paraclete means multiple things. It means he's our comforter, our counselor, our advocate, our intercessor, our strengthener, our helper, and our standby. It goes on to say that he is also our leader, our teacher, and our guide. So the Holy Spirit is there to help us in all these different areas of our life. So he's our comforter. Anybody ever need a comfort? Amen. He's also our counselor. Now, counselor is pretty important. You need guidance, you get it from the counselor. Amen. Hallelujah. When you're in school, what did they tell you to do? If you had questions about what you was going to do for your future and your education, whatever, then you would go to the guidance counselor, and they would provide guidance. Well, the Holy Ghost is the greatest guidance counselor you could ever talk to. And he lives on the inside of you. So that means you can get guidance anytime you need it. You can be guided by the Holy Spirit. Are you all listening to me? Amen. Yesterday we had a wedding we did for my niece. And uh, there's many individuals that really did not want me to do that wedding. And I had some opportunities. I could have done some other things that could have been very beneficial to me individually. But I felt led of the Spirit to do the wedding. Amen. Amen. And so we had a chance to spend some some time talking to them and things like that and to get some things on the inside of them to help them. Amen. And uh, to get some information to them about being born again and all that because they were not born again. But I felt my spirit to do the wedding for them. And uh, we did it, and I did it, you know, just as the Spirit of God led me. You know, when I did the ceremony, I trusted the Holy Ghost to give me the, the direction of how he wanted me to go and what he wanted me to say. And so we did that. And I don't know how many people had come up to me afterwards at the reception, say I've the best wedding ceremony I've ever heard in my entire life. I had individuals, I had my, my, my uh, actually my, uh, she's my niece, which, but she's older than I am because my, my, you know, my dad was married twice and, and the first three kids was a lot older than what we are. And, uh, but she told me, you know, they, they've been married 50 years. And so uh, she said, you know, if I had to get married all over again, I'd want you to do that for me. And so, but you know, we are coming up on 50 years. Maybe we'll have you just renew our vows after 50 years. Well, the thing is, the impact it had on those people was extremely important. And to do the best we could to provide a solid foundation for them to get started on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, you know, and I've had people, <laughs> over the years, I've had a lot of people say things to me, and, and it's because they don't understand being led by the Spirit. When the Spirit of God leads you, it's not always into the most comfortable situations. You understand? How do we know that? Well, because Jesus, the Bible says in Luke chapter 4, and Jesus being full of the Holy Ghost was led of the Spirit into the wilderness where, what? The devil tempted him. So think about that. Well, you mean God tempts us? No, God didn't tempt him. The devil tempted him. But he didn't lead him away from it. Why? There was a reason he had to go through that. Jesus had to go through that so we know how to resist the devil. And Jesus resisted the devil in those three areas by using the Word of God. Amen. And so now we know that if we're going to resist the devil, we have to do it the same way Jesus did, and that's by using the Word of God. Amen. Just making a statement, I resist you, and not putting anything with it does not get you much comfort. How many found that to be true? You may have said to the devil, I've done it before, but you can, it just doesn't work like it's supposed to without using the Word with it. I resist you in Jesus' name, and he just keeps coming. I resist you, and he just keeps coming. I resist you, but I resist you because the Bible says it's written. You understand what I'm saying? You put the word in there with it, submit yourself to God, resist the devil, he'll flee from you. That's what the Bible says. Amen. In James chapter 4, submitting to God means submitting to his word. Then resist the devil with the word you submit to, and the devil will flee from you. 
But you have to do it the way God's word says to do it. And you do it by using his word and not just saying mere terms that you heard somebody else say. You all out there? Amen. So the spirit of God can lead us sometimes in areas where they're not the most comfortable. But they can be very profitable in the end. We just don't see the end from the beginning, but he does. He knows how many lives were affected by the very things we said in that ceremony yesterday. See, he knows. He knows the lives that were touched by that. Amen? And what is amazing to me is the people, I had no clue who these people, never met these people before in my life, but come up to me and was like, wow, that's, that was awesome. Why? Because it was the Word of God. And the Word of God touches people's hearts. You all with me? Amen. His word that goes forth out of his mouth shall not return to him void, but will accomplish what he pleases and prospers in the thing whereunto he sent it. So every time God's word goes out of a believer's mouth in faith, it produces something. You all with me? So it's extremely important. All right, so we have the Holy Ghost who's living on the inside of us. And he's there as our comforter, our counselor, our advocate, our intercessor, our strengthener, our helper, and our standby. And we don't, for the sake of time, don't have the time to go into all those things. We'll teach on that, you know, another time. And we'll break those down specifically and talk about each and every one. Amen. But, so we have the Holy Ghost living on the inside of us. Now, notice he goes on to say, verse 26, but the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost. Notice the Comforter is the Holy Ghost. Whom the Father will send in my name. He shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. So he's going to teach you all things. The Holy Ghost is the teacher. Hallelujah. Even though he may use ministry gifts, he's still the one doing the teaching. It's the anointing of the Holy Ghost that comes upon us as a ministry gift to teach. He's the one that does it. Amen. In the 15th chapter, you can just flip over a page. In the 26th verse, he says this, But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, notice he's the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. One thing the Holy Ghost always does is testify of Jesus. Amen. And then if you go on to the 16th chapter, and if you look at the 13th verse, Hallelujah. How be it when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. Hallelujah. So he says here, he'll lead you guide in all truth, and he'll show you things to come. He'll reveal to you things to come. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So you don't have to be wondering what's going to happen or what's going to take place. He'll reveal things to you if you'll be led by the Spirit of God. Remember this. We've said it before. He always leads you in line with His Word. That's how it works. But if you'll become sensitive to the voice of the Spirit of God and you get that way by spending time reading the Word and listening to the Word of God, that's how you become sensitive to God's voice. That's how you tune in and you, get, you, you, you hear his voice more clearly. Why? Because he's the author of the book. Amen? And the more you hear his voice, the more you recognize it. Why? Well, it's not like, you know, I know Janet's voice. If Janet says something, she, you know, I know, I know her voice. You know, many of you, you know, I've had people tell me in the past, why don't you... Uh, read scripture or something in, on, a, on a CD so we can listen to it because I just like hearing your voice. It's a voice that I've grown used to when it comes to the Bible and things of that. And I just like to be able to hear that over and over again. I feel that way about Kenneth Hagin's voice. You know, I know his voice when I hear it, you know. I mean, it, 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 it just, I know that voice. Well, that's not the way we hear the voice of the Spirit because we don't hear that audible voice. Okay, so what, how do we get sensitive? How do we learn to know it's his voice? 
It's because everything he does lines up with the Bible. And when he begins to talk to you, he always talks in line with what the Bible says. I'm not telling you he's going to quote a verse to you. He's going to speak the spirit of the truth of the word to you. That's what he's going to do. He's going to reveal that to you. And whatever he leads you and guides you into something, it's going to line up with what the word says. And there's just a knowing on the inside of you. Amen. And these are things you have to develop as you get to know him. And as you begin to sense him leading you, you start following that leading. Now, you're not going to be perfect when you start. You're going to miss it sometimes. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to think it was him, but it wasn't. That's why I always encourage people, start learning with the small things. And don't wait till you need something big. Because then if you make a mistake and it's a small thing, it's not as big of a deal. But if you go out and it's a big thing and you make a big mistake, then you got a big problem. Okay? So you don't want that. You want to, say, you want to learn these things when they're small things. And so ask him to lead you in just any area of your life. Okay? doesn't have to be great big things. You need to know in big things. But you learn, start out with the small things. And just ask him to help you in different areas. Amen. Maybe just ask him to help you in just different things, you know, of how to speak to someone or share something with someone. And then learn this. This is this will help you a lot. Is when you're you are sharing with someone, if the Lord opens a door for you to speak into someone's life, when you begin to do that, if you sense a wall or something go up, stop. Don't push it too far. Are y'all listening? Be sensitive to him because there's times you can engage in a conversation with someone and all of a sudden on the inside of it, you just sense this, there's a break's going, don't say anymore. Or you may even have a thought come to your mind and you're going to speak that out and all of a sudden you just get that sense, don't say that. You understand what I'm saying? It's not like you hear it, it's like you just know it. How many have ever said something and you thought afterwards, I wish I'd have never said that? And before you said it, you knew it on the inside of you, but you just said it anyway. And how many of you, honest, be honest like I am, you knew you shouldn't have said it, but you just wanted to say it, so you just said it anyway. And you shouldn't have, because he, he tried to warn you. Amen. But we're, we're striving not to do that, aren't we? We want to be led by the Spirit. We want to make sure we do the things He wants us to do. Because as we learn to be led, we can be a great blessing. Hallelujah. And there's so many opportunities if we'll just become sensitive in the small things and we just keep working at it, keep working at it. And the more you do it, the more he leads you. And the more you follow, the more he leads you. Y'all listen to what I'm saying? So if you start following him, he will lead you, and eventually he's going to lead you in some pretty awesome things. But he's not going to take you to an area whenever you're down here, and up here, you got to get up there. And you start by taking it one step at a time. But then you can get into a place where God will do you, lead you in some great and awesome things. I remember there's a couple that we went to Bible school with, Tom and Val. They, uh, you know, we met them actually at camp meeting in 1985. Yep. And uh, we, we made reservations at a Drury Inn hotel to stay in in Tulsa. And we got down a little early, and so we couldn't get into our hotel to the next day. So we just pulled in to the first hotel we saw, and we got into Tulsa as a Motel 6. And so when we was putting our stuff in the room, I noticed this old Chevy van. It was like a 1965. Well, I had a 1964, and so when I saw it, you know, it just kind of, you know, struck me, because you know, I used to have one like it, and the hood's inside, and I noticed the hood was up. And so the next morning, you know, we got up, and I started putting our stuff back in the, in the truck so we could go check into our, our hotel we were supposed to be in, and, uh, and I noticed he was standing out there, Tom, didn't know him at the time, but he's standing out there, and he's just kind of leaning in, looking at it. And so uh, I said, hey, so can I help you out? I said, uh, I used to have one just like that. 
And I said, I got some tools with me in the truck. I said, I can, I, can I help you out? He said, no. He said, I got somebody coming to work on it, you know. And I said, well, okay. So, well, he said, what are you doing? He said, well, we're going to camp meeting, Brother Higgins' camp meeting. I said, well, so are we. And so we made a point to hook up, you know, during the meeting, and we did, and went out to lunch and stuff, and had a great time, and just, just one of those things, you know, we just clicked with them. And uh, so anyway, we spent quite a bit of time with them during camp meeting, and they was from California. And so then we got through our first year of Rama, and then our second year of Rama, one night on a Sunday night after church, I got up, and I turned around and looked, and there they were sitting there at the back of the church. And, and I told Jen, I said, hey, there's Tom Val. So we went back there and gave him a big hug and said, well, you said, well we're going to go to Rama. And so they went to went Rama with Janet. And so anyway, we was talking to them, and they lived in California. And so she used to do taxes, and then he was a manager of an of a uh, apartment complex. And so she did taxes, and so she had to work like four months out of the year. And so she made enough money, well, then they can just do whatever the Lord told them to do the rest of the year. And they used to go to PTL back then and do for their marriage encounters. And they was, you know, marriage counselors and stuff and do all that kind of stuff. And uh, so anyway, they told us of this instance where one day the Lord spoke to him and said, we want you to, I want you to go to California, no, not to Oregon. I want you to go to Oregon. And he said, well, what do you want us to go to Oregon for? He said, because there's some people up there that want to get filled with the Holy Ghost. And so uh, they just said, okay. So they just jumped in that old van, and they took off to Oregon. And so they said, we got to Oregon, and we pulled into this campground where the Lord told us to go to. And uh, we walked over to like a little... uh, concession stand like thing they had where they had hot dogs and sandwiches and drinks and stuff. And we walked up there and we asked the gentleman, because uh, the Lord spoke to him, said there's 25 Catholic people that's been praying. They heard about the Holy Ghost. They want to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And so they're waiting here for you. And so they walked over to this gentleman and they said, is there any Catholic people sitting here waiting to get filled with the Holy Ghost? And the guy looked at him and tears started running down his face. He said, they're sitting right over there. They've been there all day long. He said, there's 25 of them. They're sitting over there. He said, they came here because God told them he was going to send somebody to tell them how to get filled with the Holy Ghost. And all 25 of them got filled with the Holy Ghost speaking other tongues. Now, is that awesome or what? Huh? It's pretty awesome, isn't it? Amen. See, you never know how the Lord's going to lead you, where he's going to lead you, and things like that. But they're not all going to be spectacular things like that. Okay, that's pretty spectacular. But that didn't start that way. That started out by being led in small ways. Sometimes it's just speaking to the person the Lord puts on your heart. Sometimes it's just making a phone call. I remember we did a meeting in... uh, Faribault, Minnesota, for a pastor and his wife, and uh, we set our tent up at the county fair, and we was right at the end of the midway, and so we had this opportunity to, the Lord, I asked the Lord what we wanted us to do, and he said, I want you to do short mini sermons, and I can do those, I mean, I, I would, you know, like, so I had about 15 minutes from the time they got in the hear, hearing distance until they got to the end of the midway and got out of hearing distance. So I would preach these short 15-minute sermons, give an altar call, and we had people out there on the midway, there's about 50 people out there on the midway, that had uh, clipboards and stuff so they could get names and phone numbers and stuff, and that had literature to give them to them when the people prayed. And so I'd give an altar call, and I'd say, if you can hear me, I said, if you accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, just lift your hands. And I mean, throughout the whole time, we was there for a week, I mean, every time when i do that, you'd see people all over. There are people in the tent, but people all over out in the midway would raise their hands to pray and accept Jesus. And so I'd say, keep your hand up, you know, and so those people would locate them, and then I'd lead them into prayer, and they'd be right there to get some information from them to follow up on them, and then give them some literature. Hallelujah. And so anyway, the pastor's wife had a different idea. She wanted some recognition for her and a friend of hers. One played music and the other one sang. And so I got a phone call from the pastor. He said, would you uh, meet with me in the office? 
And so I said, yeah, we'll do it. And I knew in my spirit something's not good. So we went and met with him in the office, and sure enough, she's sitting there. And so he's asking about the meeting. He's asking about the meeting. He said, what do you think? I said, I think we're doing what the Lord told us to do. And so she said, well, I think, you know, we can come up with our own plan, and God will bless it. I said, well, I said, I don't believe that. I said, I believe we need to have God's plan, not our plan. And so the Lord said, no, just go ahead and let him do it. And so I said, well, I said, all right, you, you can just do what you want to, tonight. And so they wanted to do, really what they wanted to do is put on a concert. One of them's playing music, one of them's singing, and they wanted to, all these people to come by and all the recognition because, I mean, the tent would be full of people. And so they wanted that recognition for themselves. And so we started that night and the tent was full. And they started singing and doing their thing. And everybody got up and walked out. I mean, seriously, everybody got up and walked. Just, the tent just emptied out. There wasn't but five or ten people left. So she came to me. She said, you just do whatever the Lord told you to do. So okay, we'll do that. So we went back to doing our little 15-minute sermons, and the tent filled back up. And we had hundreds of people give their hearts to Jesus during that meeting. But I knew that something wasn't right there. You understand what I'm saying? But we left there, you know, and, and we're traveling around doing the meetings and stuff. And then we came here and pioneered the church. And one day the, I woke up and the Lord said, I want you to call that pastor. And I said, all right, Lord, I said, I haven't talked to him in a long time. He said, why don't you call him? He said, because he's going through a rough time. He said, I want you to tell him I love him. And so I just got on the phone and called him up. And I said, how you doing? He said, I'm doing great, Brother Dave. How you doing? I said, I'm doing good, doing good. I said, that's interesting. I said, I was praying, and the Lord said to call you. <coughs> he said, Brother David, he said, just to be honest about it, he said, I'm going through it. He said, I'm a mess. My life's a mess. The church is a mess. My marriage is a mess. I said, well, the Lord told me to call you. He said, did he? I said, absolutely. I said, why do you think I'm calling you? I said, the Lord told me to call you and tell you he still loves you. And I could hear him start weeping on the other line, the line. He said, Brother David, he said, I didn't know if the Lord loved me anymore or not. Hallelujah. See, so being led by the Spirit. Now, it wasn't like I heard a voice. It was a knowing on the inside of me. It was just a knowing on the inside of me. It wasn't like I heard a voice. It wasn't like I'm talking to you right now. It was just a knowing on the inside of me. See, many times we, we, we as preachers, we, we kind of misrepresent some things. We say the Lord told us, and people think we heard a voice. We didn't hear a voice. We just had a knowing on the inside of us. And see, if we're not careful, we don't, you know, teach those things right, people will start listening for voices. And there's voices that will come, but it doesn't mean they're the voice of God. Just like 1 Corinthians 14 says, there's many voices in the earth today, and none of them without signification or significance. There's many voices, but they're not all the Spirit of God. And so most of the time, it's just that inward knowing. You just know it on the inside of you. There was a pastor here in, in town. We came back and pioneered the church. Before that, we did tent meetings and stuff here. And, uh, and he personally never had anything to do with our meetings or anything. Matter of fact, spoke bad about us. But pastored a pretty good-sized church here in the town, in here, right here in Belleville. And so then I had heard that uh, they had a visiting minister come through and so the people like got to where they thought the visiting minister was better than the pastor, so they just voted the pastor out after 14 years, just kicked him out. And just voted the, new, the, 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 the traveling minister in. And so I'd heard about it, but I never had any dealings with it. I did with his daddy in Houston, Texas. His daddy was associate pastor of the Braisewood Assembly God Church, which was the largest Assembly God Church in the Southwest at the time. I had some dealings with his daddy, but not him. But I did know that he had spoke negative about us. And we never retaliated or anything like that. And so I was just minding my own business one day. 
And the Lord, this is, and I heard that you know, he got voted out and stuff. And I heard he got sick over it. And that could happen, you know, if you let bitterness come in. And so the Lord spoke to me. I say he spoke to me, so let me, I just knew on the inside of me. I just had this sense. Call him up. And so I just got on the phone, called him up. Told him who I was. I said, how are you doing? He said, well, he said, I'm doing all right. I said, really? I said, I was, I said, I was praying, and the, the Lord dealt with me about calling you. He said, I'm going through it. He said, I'm just going to be honest. He said, I'm going through it. He said, you know, I gave 14 years of my life to this people. And he said, they just turned around and kicked me out the door. And he said, it's affected me physically. I said, well, the Lord just wants you to know he's still got your back. He's on your side. He'll hold them accountable. You don't have to worry about that. He still loves you. He's still got a plan for your life. And so he just, boy, I tell you what, you thought we was long lost friends after that. He said, you pioneered your church. He said, yeah, I sure did. He said, I'll never take another church over again. I said, I don't blame you. Amen. He said, I think I'm going to go to Dallas and pioneer a new church. I said, well, good. That's what you feel like the Lord's telling you to do. Then by all means, do it. I said, let me pray for you before you go. Yes. Amen. You see, just being led by the Spirit was extremely beneficial to him. Because yes. if he kept going down that road, the devil would have took his life. That bitterness would have got worse and worse and worse and worse. You understand what I'm saying? So you want to be careful about those things. Hallelujah. Being led by the Spirit is not always some big, spectacular thing. A lot of times it's just a small thing. It could just be saying something to someone that you see every day in the gas station. You never said a word to them, but just one day, the Lord, you just get ready to go in, and the Lord just puts something in your heart. Just do what the Lord says. He knows where they're at. See, they may not have been ready to hear what you had to say all those other times you went in there. But this specific day could be the day that they're ready. That God's been dealing with them that you didn't know about it. And he's been using other people to speak to them. And it just might be your day. You might be the one that God's going to use to throw out the net. You see? Or he may just want you to water. But whatever he wants you to do, you just want to do it. That's why it's important to be led by the Spirit. Amen? All right. So, glory to God. Let's move onward. Do you all get anything out of this? This works for everybody, not just for me. It works for you too. Hallelujah. So God's a spirit. Remember John chapter 4? We looked at that. Whenever Jesus was talking to the woman at the Samaritan well, said God's a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit. And in truth. So you have to worship God in spirit. Why? Because he is a spirit. Amen. And because God's a spirit, he created us in his image. We're a spirit. So turn back to Genesis chapter 1. Hallelujah. Remember what we said last time? That God said, we'll look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, and God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. So he created us like himself. God is a spirit. We said, we, you know, that's what it said in John chapter 4. He's a spirit. And so if he's a spirit and he made us in his image, that means we're a spirit. We have a soul. We live in a body. Verse 27, so God created man in his own image. That's how he did it. And then verse 28, and God blessed them. So God's a spirit. He created us like himself. We're a spirit. Remember we talked about this, that God is a triune Godhead, Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. Man is a trichotomy, spirit, soul, and body. Your soul consists of your mind, your will, and your emotions. Amen. Then we looked at it in James chapter 1. And so where the Bible says, Receive with meekness the ingrafted word, which is able to save our souls. 
And the word save there means to restore or renew. The word soul means mind, will, and emotions. And so we have to spend time in the word of God to get our minds renewed. Amen. Okay. And then we went to Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Present your body as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. We talked about it from the Amplified Bible. It says reasonable, rational, and intelligent service and spiritual worship. And be not conformed to this world, verse 2, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Yes. Amen. 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 So, so you might know what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The Amplified Bible says, and be not conformed to this world, adapted to or fashioned after its external superficial customs, but be renewed by the complete entire renewing of your mind with its new ideas and its new attitudes. So that you may prove for yourself what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God, even that thing which is good and acceptable and perfect in His sight for you. God wants you to be able to prove for yourself what is that good and acceptable and perfect will that He has for you. Doesn't matter if I know what God's will is for you, you have to know it for yourself. I know it's God's will for us to be healed, every human being. You've got to know it for yourself. I can know it. It's that it's what way for every human being. Every person that drives down 15 out here, everybody drives down you know, South Belt West, God wants every one of them to be healed. Everyone that's in the hospital, God wants every one of them, the people, to be healed. Why? Because Jesus bore all sicknesses, all diseases. He did it for all mankind. Everybody. That's God's will. But if they don't know it, it does them no good whatsoever. We have to know it as well. In every church in this nation and around the world today, God wants every believer to be healed. But are they all healed? No. Why? Because they don't know it for themselves. It doesn't matter that even their pastor may know it. They have to know it for themselves. It's the job of the pastor to preach it and teach it to them, but they have to know it for themselves so that they can prove for themselves what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God, even that thing which is good and acceptable and perfect in His sight for you. See, there's a difference between God's permissive will and God's perfect will. You can die in God's permissive will. That means He'll allow you to do things in your life. How many found out you can do whatever you want to and God has to allow it? You mean he has to? Absolutely. Why? Because he gave you a free will. He gave you a free, we call it a free moral agency. We have a free will. We can choose to do whatever we want. It may be, not be the right thing, but we can do it if we want to. And so that's God's permissive will. He permits you to do a lot of things. A lot of people, that are just like that pastor's wife in Minnesota, I believe if we just come up with our own plan, God's going to bless it. Well, you can have your own plan, but it doesn't mean God's going to bless it. He's going to bless his plan. Because your plan's got to line up with his plan. Y'all out there? Now, see, a lot of people think the blessing is, is they'll come up with a plan that appeals to people, appeals to the flesh. And that plan, because it appeals to the flesh, can fill the seats. Are y'all listening? But is that even success? No. Not if that's not what God told you to do. It's what the world may deem success, but it doesn't mean it's what God deems success. God's success is doing what he asked you to do, and whatever level that is, it's fine. Just do what God told you to do. If you just do what God asked you to do, you'll be blessed. Amen. You may not have the prestige. You may not have, you know... The audience, you might not have all the people out there, you know, making over you. But that's not going to amount to a hill of beans when you stand before the judgment seat of Christ. I'd much rather hear, well done, good and faithful servant. I'd much rather have those things that he asked me to do that I did with the right heart to pass through that fire and come out purified like silver and gold and precious stones. And then God say to me, well done, and you received the praise from him in front of every human being that was went on before you in Christ. Isn't that more important? Should be. Should be. Amen. Hallelujah. See, not everybody's going to have, you know, a multi-million dollar business. But you could have a business. 
And if it's successful or not, it doesn't mean that it's because you're making billions of dollars. It's because if God put it in your heart, you're doing what he asked you to do. Or you're helping people. Or you're blessing people. Y'all with me? Amen. See, if we're not careful, we get, we get flesh-led you know, by this, this natural human body. We get led by it, and it'll get us into trouble. Y'all with me? All right. Okay, so now let's look at, uh, let's go to Philippians chapter 1. We didn't get there last time. Established in the fact that we're a spirit being. Say, I'm a spirit. I have a soul. I live in a body. Amen. Right, so we're spirit beings, first and foremost. Hallelujah. So in Philippians chapter 1, notice what the Apostle Paul said. And we'll start with the 21st verse. For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor, yet will I choose, I what not. For I'm in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Hallelujah. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. And having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance and joy of faith. So he says, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. And if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my body, yet will I cho choose, I what not. I'm in a straight betwixt two. I got a desire to depart and be with Christ far better. So what's going to depart and be with Christ? His flesh? No, his spirit man. His spirit man. He said, if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. As long as I'm here in the flesh, then I'm God wants me to do, talking about the Apostle Paul and teaching the people. Now I know whenever, you know, I went through my battle, and I was, you know, and I was talking to the Lord about it, and uh, had two doctors say that, you know, they didn't think I was going to make it, but I was here, doing what God called me to do. And I asked the Lord about it. I said, Lord, I said, I'm listening to all these people talk about it. They had this, they got close to death, and they had these visions of heaven and everything. And I said, Lord, you didn't show me a vision. He said, no, I didn't. They said, because if I would have, you'd have came home. And I said, well, you know, you're probably right. He said, you already knew heaven's real. You've been there once. So you know heaven's real. You didn't need to see it again. In the state you were in, you would have came home. If I'd have showed you the glory and the joy of all of it, in your state, in the battle you was in the middle of, you would have came home and there's nothing I could have done to stop you. Because if you'd have wanted to come, you could have came. Yeah, right. But he said it's more needful for you to stay here Hallelujah. and teach the people. Yes. Hallelujah. So I know exactly what the Apostle Paul was saying. To depart and be with Christ is far better, but nevertheless it's more needful to be here. Amen. Why? Teaching and preaching the Bible. Because people need to hear it. And I'm not plugging myself. I'm just saying there's a lot of people just don't want to teach it anymore. Not that they couldn't, they just don't want to because it's not popular. I was talking to some brethren after Wednesday night service. I haven't heard this in years. I know, I hear it all the time. I have people tell me it all the time. But the building ought to be busting at the seams. But it's not. Why? Because people don't want to hear it. They don't want to hear the truth of the word. People want to be entertained. They want to have their flesh tickled. Because the word requires something. You're required to walk in the light of it. You're required to do it. That's why a lot of folks you know, got away from the message of faith. Back in the 80s, 70s and 80s, it was like the, it was busting at the seams. Word of faith churches were exploding everywhere. 
I mean, it was on the radio constantly. You turn on the radio, WCBW, you turn it on in the morning, and you can listen to every faith teacher there was, because they were the only ones on the radio back then. I mean, Brother Hagen, Brother Copeland, Brother Savelle, here locally, Brother Crank, Ron Tucker, he was teaching faith back then. All the people, Rick Shelton, all of them, all teaching faith. You could turn it on in the morning and listen to it all day long, and you'd be blessed. It's just one built upon the other one, built upon the other one, built upon the other one. Now you turn on a lot of Christian radio. One person says healing is for today, and the other one says it's been done away with. One says you know, being filled with the Holy Ghost is for today. The other one says speaking in tongues is of the devil. I mean, you go listen to that, by the end of the day, you're so confused, you don't know whether you're coming or going. You understand what I'm saying? You're just totally confused. I mean, I quit watching a whole lot of Christian television years ago. Because I just want to get mad and throw stuff at my TV. Because they weren't talking the truth. They got in all kinds of crazy stuff, but they weren't teaching the Word. The Word's what we got to have. It's the foundation. What did Paul tell Timothy? Preach the Word. Didn't he? Preach the Word. Hallelujah. It's the Word that produces results. That's what gives you a foundation to build your life on. Amen? So that's why we're here, to teach the Word. Glory to God. Hallelujah. All right, turn, if you would, to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. But you're hungry for the Word. That's why you're here. Did I say 2 Corinthians? I meant, I meant 1 Corinthians. I'm sorry. First Corinthians chapter three, verse one. And I, brethren, I'll wait just a moment. I hear pages rustling. First Corinthians chapter three. All right. Verse one. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto you're not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able. Verse 3, For ye are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? I now notice what it says there. For you're yet carnal. That means carnal means to be flesh ruled. It means to be controlled by your physical body, your fleshly body, and what appeals to it. Y'all out there? But we're not supposed to be flesh ruled. We're supposed to be led by the Spirit. For as many as are what? Led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Doesn't say as many as are led by your flesh. As many as are led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. Amen. That's why it's important. Hallelujah. And he goes on to say, There's envying and strife and divisions. Are you not carnal and walk as mere men? Now notice he goes and begins to talk about what's, what's, what carnality is. For while one saith, I'm of Paul, and another, I'm of Apollos, are you not carnal? In other words, they're going around and saying, well, I'm of this church, or I'm of that church, or I'm, follow I'm a follower of Paul. And somebody else says, well, I'm a follower of, Apostle, of Apollos. And so they got division amongst themselves. There should not be division. Amen. Amen. There shouldn't be division in the body of Christ. That's right. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You don't hear me get up here and call preachers by name and talk bad about them. You've never heard me do it. Why? Because it's not my place to do it. Amen. My spiritual father taught me something. He said this. He said, putting another man's candle out doesn't make yours burn any brighter. So putting out somebody else's light does not make your light any brighter. It just means the only one they can see is yours at the time. Y'all with me? 
No, the way you make your light burn brighter is you trim off all the dead part of the wick, make sure you got plenty of fuel, turn that dude up, and it'll get bright. Amen? That's how it gets bright. Glory to God. Now, we're not talking about flashlights, because that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says, Spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. Notice the candle's got a wick. Amen. One translation says the Spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord. The lamp's got a wick. But how many found out when you've got a candle that starts burning, the top of it gets black and burnt up? It doesn't, doesn't produce any light. Why? Because it's all burnt and charred. It can't produce it. It can't burn. So you've got to trim that off. Or if you've got a lamp, same way with a lamp, you've got to trim the wick on the lamp. Why? Because the top part of it gets burnt. All charred is just, it's, it's, it's useless now. It's all burnt up. There's nothing left. It doesn't do anything. It doesn't produce any light. So you trim that off so that the wick then can get full of fluid, fuel, and then it's burning brighter. Amen. Amen. Well, that's the same way we are. We want to trim off all the old dead stuff, make sure we got plenty of Holy Ghost fuel, and that'll cause our, our light to burn brighter. Not by putting somebody else's out. By stirring ourselves up. Amen. Get more of the word on the inside of us. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So we don't, we don't want to be like that. Notice verse 5. Who then is Paul? And who is Apollos? But ministers by whom you believed. Even as the Lord gave to every man. I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So what's he saying? I'm just a preacher. Apollo's just a preacher. We're just preaching a message. It's God that gives the increase. The message is supposed to produce life on the inside of you. It's to give you what you need to build you up, that so you can grow. Get stronger in the things of God. Now, if that's not what you're getting, then you might need to make a change. Because that's what you've got to have. Amen. You've got to get the word on the inside of you. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 Because that's what's important to us. Right. It's the word that makes the difference. Amen. Praise God. All right, look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4. So what we're endeavoring to do is establish the fact and you're going to know this emphatically. You say, well, I already know. I understand. But we're going to make sure you've got the most solid foundation you can have. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah. If you've ever been involved in building things, you do it the right way. Yeah. It's just like when a tree fell through this roof. We've still got to get the roof on. We haven't done that yet. But whenever we want to patch it, uh, people ask me, well, why are we going through all this extent? Because I want to have time to do it right, right, to fix it, and I don't want to have to mess with it again. So we put forth the eff extra effort to get it done. Did it take a while? Yep. If you was here, it was hot. If sun was beating down, and it took a while yeah. to get it done. But you know what? We hadn't had a leak since we did it. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. So when we replace it, It'll be replaced, it'll be done, it'll be done right, and we didn't have to beat our brains out to try to rush through it and try to just throw something together because we're not going to do that. I don't believe in doing that. It takes time to do it the right way. Same way when it comes to the Word. It takes time to build the right foundation. Hallelujah. All right, so now let's notice here. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, notice what the Apostle Paul said. Verse 16. For which cause, I'll wait just a minute, people turn the pages. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perisheth, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Notice he's, he, he distinctly says there's a difference between the outward man and the inward man. The outward man is our flesh, it's perishing. And we found out you're getting older. Face the facts. Amen. If anybody knew me years ago, my beard used to be real dark. Not quite black, but almost real dark. 
those days are gone forever. I mean, I guess you could buy a bottle and make it that way, but even then, it's so gray, it don't, you can't even get that. You'd almost be better off painting it. I'd be looking like Billy Mays. <laughs> you remember him, don't you? The OxyClean commercial? Oh, yeah. The outward man perishes, but the inward man's renewed day by day. The inward man's a spirit of man. It gets renewed. How you renew it? With the Word of God. You, you feed it, you strengthen it with the, with the Word. It's renewed. As you give it the spiritual food it needs, it's renewed day by day. And in the same token, you're getting your mind renewed. So you can get in agreement with your spirit, take control of this flesh. We all know people that are flesh ruled. And hopefully we're not that person. Okay? But, uh, but we all know somebody who's flesh ruled. Verse 17, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal. That word means subject to change. But the things which are not seen are eternal. So what's, what, what is temporal? This fleshly body, folks, is temporal. Y'all listening? This body is only going to live for so long if the Lord tarries. Now we know this, after Jesus comes back in the rapture, then we know that this corruptible will put on incorruption, this mortal will put on immortality, and death will be swallowed up in victory. But until that time, this outward man's perishing. It's decaying. Y'all out there? It is. Amen. Amen. Yeah. And it's going to happen to every one of us because the Bible says so. Yeah, that's right. Now I believe you can stand on the word and believe for so many years because the Bible tells us that. But you're not going to live forever down here. Not with this body in its present state. You will not live forever with this body in its present state. But whenever Jesus comes back, in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, we're going to be changed. This corruption will put on incorruption. This mortal will put on immortality. Then these bodies will be changed and become the physical body will become eternal. Amen. And we'll live forever. in this physical body. But it'll be different. Hallelujah. And it won't decay anymore. And you'll have that body for eternity. Yep. And pretty much all theologians believe that we'll be somewhere in around the 33-year-old range. So how we were at 33 would be about how we should be for eternity. That'd be pretty awesome, wouldn't it? I had hair at 33. Amen. Glory to God. Amen. And God knows exactly how many hairs I had. How do you know? The Bible says all the hairs in our head are numbered. Amen. So he knows how many. Glory to God. Way more than I have right now. All right. So the things we see are temporal. That means they're subject to change. They are changing. They're decaying. But the things we don't see are eternal. So we don't see our spirit man. But we know he's there. See, for spirit-filled believers, we should have the clearest understanding of the difference between our spirit and our soul of anybody. Why? Because if you speak in tongues, all you have to do is start talking in tongues, and you can think about anything you want to think about. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Did you ever notice that? Yeah. 
Because when you go to pray in tongues, the devil makes sure you think about every other kind of thing you, and things you shouldn't be thinking about. I mean, you're going to say, well, I'm going to take some time and I'm going to spend some extra time praying. And so you get on your knees and you start praying in tongues and you're praying in tongues and all of a sudden the devil reminds you, well, you're supposed to clean out the attic last month, months ago, or a year ago. Are you supposed to clean out the garage? Now, you hadn't been thinking about the garage the whole time. You was watching TV or all those other things. That was no big deal. Garage is packed up. That's all right. But as soon as you get to praying in tongues, all of a sudden, here goes your mind. You ought to go clean that garage out. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Huh? Clean that attic out. No, you need to spend time praying. But see, it's your mind that the enemy is talking to you in your mind. But yet, where you, where, how are you praying in tongues then? Because you're not praying out of your mind. You're praying out of your spirit. It's coming up out of here. Y'all see what I'm saying? So for us as believers, especially spirit-filled believers, we should be easy to understand the difference between our soul, mind, will, emotions, and our spirit, man. And in our flesh. Because our spirit wants to get up and go to church in the morning. Yes. Our flesh wants to sleep in. Huh? Isn't that true? Amen. See, our flesh will say, well, you just stay at home and they got that thing on the internet. You just turn it on and watch it. You don't have to get up and go nowhere. But it ain't the same, folks. Because if you wasn't here this morning and you needed God to touch your physical body, you missed out. You see what I'm saying? Amen. That's how this works. Glory to God. Hallelujah. All right. Now let's look at one more scripture. We'll stop. Chapter 5. For we know if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved. Notice that. Earthly house. That's this flesh. We're dissolved. We have a building of God an house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. So he's not talking about your mansion, folks. He's talking about your spirit man. Why? Because if this, earth, listen, if this earthly house dissolves, your spirit's going to heaven. Your spirit's not staying here. You're not going to be just floating around through the earth, you know, Going up to people in the nighttime and go, boo, you're not doing that. Okay? If this earthly tabernacle, this earthly house, this flesh does dissolve, if it dies, then our spirit man goes to heaven. It's eternal. See, we got a different house. It's not made with hands. See, God formed the, the flesh out of the dust of the earth, but then he breathed into man himself, and we became a living soul. So we're not made with, the real us is not made with hands. We're come from God. Hallelujah. So he goes on to say, for in this, in, this, in this we groan earnestly, desiring to be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven. If so be that being clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we that are in this tabernacle do groan, that's this flesh, we groan, being burdened, not for that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon, that mortality might be swallowed up of life. Now he that has wrought for us, wrought us for the self-same thing as God, who has also given unto us the earnest of the Spirit. Therefore we are always confident, knowing that whilst we're at home in the body, we're absent from the Lord. So while we're home in this flesh, we're not in God's presence in the Spirit. For we walk by faith and not by sight. We're confident, and I say, and willing rather, to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. So when we leave this body, we're going to be standing in the presence of God. We're not floating around. There's no limbo. Come on, there's no purgatory. There's only heaven and hell. And if you're born again, 
To be absent from this body is to be in God's heaven. That's where we're going to go. Boom. In a moment. Instantly. How fast? I don't know. Angel speed. How fast is that? Fast. Amen. I would say if you had to try to figure it out, I would say it would have to be the speed of thought. You think it, you're there. I believe that's how we're going to operate and we're going to move around when we get to heaven. Especially when we live in that new Jerusalem. Remember, it's a big city. 1,500 miles high, 1,500 miles wide, 1,500 miles long. Think about that. That's hard for us to fathom. A city that big. So if you was even going to get in a car and drive over to see one another. If you had to drive in a car, it'd take you a long time, wouldn't it? You'd spend all your time driving just to go see the neighbor. Or your friend, they live across town. Well, across town there is going to be a big difference across town here. How are we going to operate? Speed of thought. You think, I'm going to go see Colleen. And there you are, there. Amen. That would be awesome. Hallelujah. But you won't have time to clean your house up before they get there. <laughs> but it will be clean all the time. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Let's say it again. I'm a spirit. I have a soul. I live in the body. God's spirit lives in me. He leads me. He guides me. I follow him. Anywhere he leads, I'll be obedient to the voice of the spirit that lives great big on the inside of me. I'm following God wherever he wants me to go. I'll do whatever he wants me to do. I'll be whatever he wants me to be. And I'll say whatever he wants me to say. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. Did you get anything out of this at all? Praise the Lord. Amen. Pays to be led by the Spirit. It really does. And we're going to get in. Next time we're going to specifically break it down, talking about being led by the Spirit. Amen. Hallelujah. That inward intuition, the number one primary way. Glory to God.